I think the best advice you can give and the best education you can provide to a child is to give them the skill and the ability to make a decision for themselves without peer pressure. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast. Today we've got a little bit of a special episode where I'm joined by guest host Kathy Sanders. Hello again. Hello. Interviewing Ian Davies, who owns Shoreline Business Consulting and has been a huge mentor for Kathy. Hello. Hello. We had so much fun in our last episode together and we share so many common ideas that when Kathy recommended Ian as a guest, I knew that she had to join me on the podcast to interview Ian. So before we get started, as always, I'll tell you a little bit about Ian's diverse career history. So Ian Davies has had a diverse career across financial and management accounting, treasury, secretarial, compliance, management information systems, and business development. His career kicked off in the manufacturing sector with senior finance roles for James Hardy Industries and Borrell, and he's also worked across property development, construction, and more recently, vocational education. Ian has strong values and beliefs about how he conducts his business. His point of difference is his personal approach and his immersive style of business consulting. Ian has completed a term as the president of the Queensland Divisional Council of CPA Australia. He has also been a member of the CPA Queensland Small to Medium Enterprise Committee and served as the board chair for the Australian Trade College in North Brisbane. When asked about interesting facts about Ian, I hear he previously lived at an Indonesian compound and has cow heart. (laughs) (laughs) Ian holds a Bachelor of Business and has the status of fellow with CPA Australia. Welcome, Ian, to the Building Doors podcast. Thank you very much. We had a little (laughs) chat beforehand, so and more on that uh, heart later, but you've had such a strong background and understanding in the financial elements of running and building business. Give us a bit of an overview of your own backstory and I guess some of the key moments that brought you to where you are today. Okay. Without boring the socks off you, um, (laughs) I I started as a young bloke straight from high school, went into James Hardy Industries and it was purely coincidental in that they were looking for what in those days was called a cadet, an accounting cadet. Mm -hmm. And, And one of my high school teachers thought that I was pretty good with mathematics and I could solve algebraic problems and they said, you will do. And um, anyway, very it was quite, I went for that interview. I was li- literally wet behind the ears with a, a boy in short pants and long socks. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually went for the interview before I had turned 17 years of age. I started work um, just, just after turning 17. And I was with Hardy's for 20 plus years, 23, 25 years with all of those things that happened in, the, in that part of your life. And then for probably classify that as the knowledge building phase or whatever you want to call it. And then as a result of a few family issues, we decided we'd pack up and come back to Queensland. We'd lived away from Queensland in various parts of the world, including Indonesia, and came back to Queensland from memory in around about early 95. And I continued in the the corporate sector and I was telling Kathy just the other day about a particular offer that I turned down, which I sometimes only discovered it again a bit in, in the last couple of months. Anyway, that was fairly exciting. And um, oh, come on, what was the offer? 
Oh, the office. Was... Ian's desk. He, uh, he sorts <laughs> his ideas based in Manila folders. Okay. And uh, they are everywhere and it operates just like his mind where there's like <laughs> thoughts and stuff all over the place. And so he was tidying up and he was, I was, like, I was up going through and, these and, and uh, I found this yeah, interesting and I found, and I was actually, from the 90s. M- my daughter was, um, was with me on this particular day and I found this Manila folder and I opened it up and there was an offer in there. I won't say the company okay. but it was a very one of, one of the – the top five companies in Queensland, and I was made an offer in 2020. Am I allowed to say the number? No, it was like t- it was. It was oh, early in 2020. It was, it was, it was 2000. Like, it was the year yeah, 2000. Yeah, because we ended up looking up the average wage of that yeah, year, right. and then we were like, Ian, what did you do? <laughs> what you turned it down? I turned it down. What? I, oh, you're I, one of those. I'm yeah, one of those. Definitely I, one of those. I, I, it was offered. I accepted, and then I turned it down, which caused a heck of a guffuffle. But in the year 2000, it was about $170,000 package, which even yep. by today's standards is pretty good. Mm. But so when I when I looked at answering some of these questions in the, um, I thought, you know, are there things you regret? <laughs> no, I don't because there are reasons why I, I turned yeah. that down and I, I and that was based on my values. So, yeah. um, but anyway, early years with James Hardy Industries, lived in different parts of the world. And as I said, I would put that down as to my, you know, the, the growth in knowledge of business and um, and getting fully immersed in businesses in all sorts of ways. And then Family Reasons brought us back to Queensland in 1995-ish. And then I continued to work for um, the corporate sector for a few years, probably four or five. And then, and a lot of it was to do with that particular role that I'd turned down. And I said, no, I'm going to go and do this by myself. Mm. And um, I saw and had a lot of pride in what my dad had done with his particular business. He ran his business in a particularly strong and value-based way. And I said, no, I can do this and I can bring my experience to the small business sector. Tell us more around what it was around that offer and the values. Obviously, you haven't okay. mentioned the company. No, which I can't. Fine, and I can't. Which we don't want no, you to. No. But what was it about that that kind of led you to creating values? What were your values at that point that you uncovered? At that point in time, the company that I was working with was struggling. Mm-hmm. The MD had walked out and I ran the business as finance director, chief financial officer. I ran the business in conjunction with another director. I've done it and I don't even know if this fellow is still alive, but he was out of the um out of Tupperware and he ran Tupperware, which was the big American yep. group. Been to many he, parties. He, he, <laughs> oh, absolutely, as you do. Um he ran Tupperware Southeast Asia. So he knew lots and lots about the plastic industry, which which was this particular business I was working with. At any rate, as I said, it, it had got itself into lots of trouble and I was running it probably as a shadow director. But at the same time, I was approached, headhunted, which is always good for your ego, mm-hmm. and I was headhunted for this particular role, which coincidentally was one that I'd focused on in 1995 when I came back to Queensland, mm. but it was not available. The The incumbent had been there for many years and he wasn't going anywhere. Mm. So I just put it away and then lo and behold, 2000, five years later, mm. boink, after this up it came and, I, and as I said, I got it. The reason I had to turn around and then reject it or, or turn it down rather is um, nothing more than the fact that that I'd not finished the job that I'd started with this other company. Mm. So it was an unfinished project. The values in terms of walking away from something that could potentially collapse and the responsibilities that go with that, together with there were lots of, it was a small cap Brisbane-based organisation mm-hmm. and I think that there are a lot of people hanging their hats on the success of that particular business, including shareholders. You know, obviously they're life savings into it. So I said, no, nope, okay, I can 
you know, down tools and take this, which would have been fantastic, or I can stick with what I've got and, and I'll finish it off. And we did. We packaged it up, sold it off. Then after that, I walked away. I spent a little bit of time in the construction industry at that point, but then walked away. And, and that was probably when I went into and started Shoreline a little bit after that. So there you go. So, yeah. How cool is that? I mean, <laughs> you don't see it a lot as much these days where somebody will go and go, I'm going to take the harder path and it may not mm. even be a benefit to me, but it's the benefit it, of it, the greater was, good. Yeah, it was certainly not beneficial from a financial perspective, but in terms of, yeah, the, the greater good, it was the only decision to mm. take. So, and mind you, I wrestled with it, spoke to a couple of lawyers and they said, <laughs> and um, but the decision was made. And I wouldn't be here today without that decision. So, yeah. so you could probably, from an overall perspective, that midlife growth focus in terms of the corporate background and, mm. and, and all of that experience that contributes to the skills that, that I have, I then said, right, now I'll do this mm. by myself and I will take that knowledge and try to instill it into people who run small to medium. And um, I love it. Yeah. So that's sort of how it drifted. And then I, I met, you know, interesting people like, Kathy here, and we and we did. We used to spend all Saturday afternoons together. Kathy, you yeah. remember that? Yeah, we actually met supporting one of his businesses, yeah, one of his Kathy. clients. So I was yeah. an employee of one of Ian's clients, and we were talking about RTOs and training. And yeah, instantly I could see he was really interested in that kind of development side of things. And I think you can see that in his coaching. Two things I think you can see in his coaching. One, when I hear that story about the grit that it takes to keep going with a business that may not have their immediate rewards of swapping, mm -hmm. but then I've seen you support that grit and create that grit in other businesses over and over. Yeah. And I think that's what's made you such a great business coach in that, you know, running a business is not always rainbows and butterflies. No. <laughs> so to have someone no. by your side that is always about the next step, the next thing you can do, let's keep pushing mm. forward mm. I think that's yeah, what makes you yeah. such a great coach and a yeah. really good mentor because nothing knocks you down. You just no, keep going. No, no, I try not to allow that to happen. So, uh, And there have been some interesting stories with some of the businesses that I've coached pretty much from day one when I remember a particular group of young ladies who formed that business in North Lakes. And, mm -hmm. and, again, and once again, my coaching with them would usually take place on a Saturday because I could extract them from their business and put them into a room and, mm. and Usually it was accompanied by a full box of tissues in front of each one of them. And, Can relate. Uh, Look, oh, sometimes yeah. tissues, sometimes wine. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes wine. And the same thing, it can be pretty tough. There were the occasional Saturdays that, that mm. were full of tears, but they now have a business in again in North Lakes, which is tremendously successful. Mm. And uh, we still bump into each other occasionally. And like I, my coaching finished with them after a, a few years because they were up and running and, and away they went. So, um, so I want to know what's the secret behind that resilience? What is it oh, that keeps gee. you going even when um, it's not looking like rainbows and butterflies? It's what drew me to stand beside you because I was like, you take us, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a, oh, gee, I think just pure persistence and self-belief that says, no, I can do this. I can help or whatever. So, and a lot of it goes back to a clear understanding of who you can and can't help. When I first started Shoreline back in 2006, I could help anybody. If you want to come along, yeah, I can help. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. You know, even to the point where um, I actually took on a project to evaluate the redevelopment of Scarborough Harbour. Mm. Oh, you know, the closest I've been to a, to a harbour is, is in a boat. <laughs> and, um, and that was, but again, really interesting. And I think it's that quest for knowledge as well. Like mm -hmm. the, you can sort of say, no, I, you know, that's out of my realm. 
but then I learnt the relationship between the, the, the harbour and the ports authorities and so on, and, and it was mm. really interesting. But I think, Cathy, to answer that one, I think there's just a combination of, of the drive and certainly energy to provide whatever support you can, and that's a big part of it, and to make sure that if somebody does walk into the office like happened to me on Friday, I was sitting there and a lady knocked on the door and mm. said, I think, have I got the right place? And I said, well, I don't know. You better come in and sit down and I'll figure <laughs> out. And emotionally, she has spent 20-something years in what appears to be a fairly um, rocky relationship, to say the best, business and personal, and she needs help with her business. And I've got to look at whether or not I can provide that help or not. So so resilience, I think, Cathy, and, and, <laughs> and drive. So. Mm. What are the common mistakes? So, I, and I'm curious as this question, I, starting a small business myself, what are the common mistakes you see small businesses make or business owners make through, you've got so much experience. So what would you, I'm sure there's other business owners mm, listening, mm, mm. caution some of them. I think the common mistake is not being open to doing something differently and better. doesn't mean that, that what they're doing is right or wrong or whatever, it just is. Mm. But to be able to sit down with a business owner and analyse the business in all of its pieces, financial is just the start of it. There's people, the systems, procedures and so on. But I think the biggest mistake is not to get the right advice and not to reach out to, until it's too late almost. Mm. And that happens quite regularly. I think if someone's thinking about Starting a business, the, the key question they've got to ask is whether you can run your own business or not. And quite honestly, some people can and some people can't. They are better off to stay away from running their own business and stay in the corporate mm. world. Mm. Um, but having decided that, yes, I want to run the business, make sure that your idea or your product has got an attraction to whatever market it is that you discover. Mm -hmm. Be aware of your competitors and be aware of the financial requirements of the business. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to reach out and put good people in, get the best people you possibly can if it's of that size. Mm. But a lot of people start a business thinking that their idea is great and then they come to a very, very abrupt halt when, when they then try and market it. So there's a lot of things. I used to have a little in, in my coaching days, a diagram that was a spider's web. You then put all of the different parts of a business around a spider's web and you touch the spider's web, it reverberates and it touches every aspect of a business. And that's what you've got to be aware of is that mm -hmm. whatever you do in one part of the web will affect the other part of the web. And, yeah. and, and that's a business. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> Kathy and I both looking at each other. We both asked your, the same your, question at the same time last time. We did, we did. Okay. okay. The other thing I wanted to ask you around finance, um, yes. because that was your background. Going back there, what led you to building a career in that area? So I think there might be people lead, that are doing that. Yeah, well, my first thought when I met Ian was that he doesn't have the personality of other finance. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So, and I'm no. glad you called. Yeah. Well, there used to be something around not your average accountant. Was that? Yeah, was that a, yeah, was yeah. That a CPA a, logo? That was a slogan oh, at some point. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a slogan. Thinking, yes, and I think it was a CPA slogan. What led me to it? It was just pure accident. As I said, one of my high school teachers thought that I would suit a particular role. I went down and had an interview with, with the accountants. And I suppose that's the other important thing to, to talk about is that there are accountants and accountants. I'm very much a manufacturing accountant. Mm. And yes, I've had exposure to the to the aspects of finance, of treasury, mm -hmm. um, and then obviously secretarial compliance and so on. Or you can be a public accountant, which is very much 
tax-driven and so on. So it's just, again, public accountants tend to focus on that compliance and the tax side of things, Mm -hmm. not universally, but from my perspective, the tax was just one side of it. And my methodology of getting in and looking at a business of, and I think you used the term immersive, Mm -hmm. um, that comes from my background of being a manufacturing accountant. So you've got to get into a business, understand the relationship. And I was once told by one of my mentors that let the numbers tell you the story. The numbers will always tell you what's going on and you've just got to delve into it until you discover what the real answers are. Mm. Again, it's probably what got me into it was probably that inquisitive mind Mm. and, and the challenge of looking at numbers and making it work, if I can put it that way, even down to some of the more complex things that I've done in terms of forecasting, five-year forecast conversion into the share value might be in, say, five years' time for a public listing and Mm. all that sort of stuff. That, to me, there's a mathematical process to go through and it's a challenge to be able to get to that point and say, yes, that makes sense. Um, I love um, that because I'm um, so yeah. bad at math and so that <laughs> inspires me, you know, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen Ian with some of his clients and it's really Rain Man-ish when he can <laughs> look at a profit and loss and it creates these questions that mm. then yeah. gets Ian deeper and deeper into a business. And now that you've said manufacturing, because we've never really spoken about it that way before, but you were definitely a systems kind of orientated person. Pretty much. And I know yeah. when we were looking at some of those, well, our own business together. Yeah. I found that really interesting. How do you have those difficult conversations with businesses when they come in? Um, hmm, Yeah, there's a couple that I've got on the go at the moment. I suppose the first thing you've got to do is is understand. You've got to address the issue first, and and I'm dealing with one at the moment where one of the partners actually committed suicide, and and it's actually rocked the other partner. It's rocked Mm. his boat fairly severely. We are simply working through that process to restructure the company Mm. so that it can continue. They've put together, these individuals put a lot of intellectual property and thinking into the business, Mm. um, the development of systems and so on. In terms of having the difficult conversation, I think it's a matter of making sure that you communicate, be aware of the message that the business owner wants to receive. It might not be pleasant in my circumstances. I make sure that I communicate that Mm. in the best possible way. Mm. I don't sugarcoat the pill. You've got to tell the facts, but it's also a matter of making sure that the individual sitting on the other side of the desk understands that there is a way out. Um, mm-hmm. And if there is not a way out, then you need to address that. Mm-hmm. And, and in lots of circumstances, there isn't a way out. So you need to move on that very quickly as well. When you look back on a lot of your clients, because I mean, what you're dealing with right now is a really, 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 truly challenging time in that life with... In- Within that particular oh, business, hugely. Hugely, yeah, because yeah, you're dealing yeah, with emotion, yeah. yes, in business, yes, but then also the personal yeah. emotion mm. and loss and grief. Very, and- very much so, yeah. And like when the, the one fellow rang me literally within the first 24 hours of that event happening, he was in a highly emotive state. I got he and his wife in and it was difficult for them to talk about it. Mm. And um, But you've got to let that happen as mm. well. So this is where probably where the broader coaching aspect comes into play. Mm. Most clients who walk in the door, yes, their personal situation is having a big impact one way or the other, mm. but you've got to peel that away and then say, right, now, let's look at business um, mm. because there is a definite connectivity there, but you can't let the emotions override what should be clear um, responsible business decisions. Mm. This, is, this is totally where I think you're a unicorn, Ian, in that you have this really strategic focus thinking of numbers and business yeah. and yeah. strategy 
But at the same time, you have this emotional intelligence that allows you to talk to people when they're going through some of the toughest times. People put their whole lives on the line well, to do. have a business. Yeah, absolutely do. Yeah, what do you yeah. think is the secret to that balance? Because having your own business does become really personal. Mm. We've been there together even. <laughs> <laughs> How do you balance that out? That's a good question, Cathy. I try as much as I possibly can to bring it back in front a bit because I am an accountant at heart. <laughs> don't let the personality <laughs> fool you. No, um, <laughs> but I try to bring it back to factual, a factual-based conversation. Mm. Yes, there is the emotional side and you've got to deal with that, but then try to gently push that to one side and say, right, let's look at the numbers. What does that tell me? I think, Cathy, to try and separate the two. Does that make sense? Mm. And, and yeah, look, I, I do find comfort in the numbers, if I could put it that <laughs> way, as silly as that sounds, because they don't mm. lie. They don't tell mm. fibs. They are what they are. Yeah. And then once you understand what that story is and what the message is that the numbers are telling you, you can make decisions that will perhaps contribute to a turnaround in the individual's emotive state or whatever. But I try to keep them separate. And as much as I... I might like or dislike a client. In lots of cases, I dislike <laughs> the clients. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm there to do something and I'm there to try and make their life better and through an improvement in their business. And you teed in perfectly to something I'd been thinking of, on as well. So you've worked with clients in the hard times. You've had to come in there, obviously I agree, oh, and be yeah. there for them through that time. But then there's also those ones that you're proud of yeah, where they've come yeah. in, they've built doors, built businesses, <laughs> yep. and you've been able to help them turn it around. So Absolutely. Who, who can you think of that's, I love hearing a good old success story too because it gives okay. all us little businesses yeah, hope. Okay. Well, <laughs> so, there was my, probably my biggest success story would be a manufacturer again. I would prefer not to mention yeah, that, but they're a, man, yeah, we, they're a manufacturer in Jibung, and they mm-hmm. supply component parts to the off-road caravan industry. Okay. So anybody who knows that probably now knows who <laughs> they are. Um, but anyway, they they've been operating for I think they've celebrated their fortieth year about two years ago, and I just happened to bump into the owner of the business at a bank function about. 12-odd years ago. Mm. And anyway, he, he said, oh, you know, what do you do? And I explained what Shoreline is and did and so on. He said, oh, okay, you better come and see me. So that was all right. And then the conversation discontinued for a while and I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I better ring this fellow. And I, I rang, he went down. He is an engineer and he now has a business card that says I'm an unemployed engineer because he sold the business. And that's part of the, <laughs> part, of that. the part of the success story. Yeah. But it was a typical business that, that was employing at that stage, uh, I'll take a guess, I think it was around about 20 or 30 people. Mm-hmm. It is, or it was and is, the market leader in the particular product that it develops. Mm-hmm. He was suffering the consequences of being the managing director and owner of that company. Mm-hmm. And at that level, life is lonely and it's exceptionally lonely. And he used me both as a mentor as well as someone to help him analyse the business and, mm. and and improve our margins and so on. We got on great guns because he was analytical being an engineer and I was analytical. Uh, like, you know, so a we, meeting we, of the minds. It was a meeting of the conversation right there. It was great. Yeah, we could. We, could. <laughs> we would have loved to be a fly in the yeah, room on that. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but we dealt with some interesting personnel issues in that his father was still very active in the business and his dad was in excess of 90 years of age and he'd wander around the place and <laughs> cause all sorts of havoc. Um, <laughs> But again, very, very intelligent individuals and very innovative individuals. Anyway, it got to a point where business grew and grew to the point where in the middle of 2020, I think it would have been, there was an offer 
to purchase the business, he came to me and said, you know, what do you think we should do? And he was at a point where he was ready to go. He was out. So the business had grown enormously. I think their staff had gone and had doubled. Mm. They were about, I think it was about 40 or more people on site. But at that point in time, he was ready to go. And in particular, his family, his wife, wanted him out as well because he had no life. Mm. He was so embedded in the business that it was taking away from Mm. his lifestyle. So we sold it. And so assisting someone to sell that business and to reap the rewards of a lifetime of effort and hard work I've been in his office when he and he and his dad have had a blue and he stormed out and, you know, <laughs> I won't repeat what he said. <laughs> uh, and then I was left with his dad sitting there and I'll tell you a funny story about his dad in a minute. And um, <laughs> anyway, so then I have to recover that situation. That's mm. the business coaching side of things. But it's nothing more than managing the emotions of employees back in my corporate days. It's the same thing. Mm. They are all spit the dummy at different points mm. in time in their career. You have to sit down with them and talk to them about what they did, why did they do that. So the only difference between the corporate world and the business owner is the fact that, that the business owner is independent. Individuals still throw the toys out of the cot <laughs> from, from time to time. Mm. So being part of that and being able to provide the advice to to that family and enable them to sell the business at, at that particular point in time. Yeah, because what's actually happened is that in that very short period of time, it was purchased by a larger corporate. Mm. In the very short period of time since that sale, the business has doubled in revenue again. Wow. Largely driven by the impact of COVID because mm. that particular industry has gone mm. um, gone to the moon. It's skyrocketed. And you'll quite often say, we could have got more, we could have got more. And, and my answer to that is, yes, we could have, but you would have had to stay in it for another two years to do that. Mm-hmm. And mentally and physically, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So you, that was, was a cut and we sold it and he's reaped the rewards. Mm-hmm. And um, his dad, I sat there one day and Chris asked me to talk to his dad about succession planning because we're trying to find a way to ease him out of the business. So I, mm-hmm. so I said, come along, dad. And um, we sat down in a boardroom and I said, now, I want to talk about succession planning. Can you imagine a British engineer? This guy used to travel from the UK across to Germany and he knew Ferdinand Porsche personally Mm -hmm. and he would go into Porsche factories and steal all of his engineers and take them back to the UK. <laughs> oh, I like he, this guy. <laughs> he, was ba- he was banned. Yeah. And at any rate, um, so I said, now, I want to talk about succession planning. And, and at this stage, he's, I think he was about 95. He died only a little while ago at 101. And, wow. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. This guy was brilliant. Was still working even when he went into the retirement village. He he, mm. he he was set up with a computer with special optical assistance so he could continue to read and so on. Just wow. brilliant. Anyway, he stared me back in the face with it. I need to talk about succession planning. And he looked at me and he says, "Ian, I've succeeded everybody. Who do you want me to succeed now?" So, <laughs> at which stage the meeting finished. <laughs> so yeah, pretty funny. Pretty funny. So uh, so Ian. In your business, you are essentially a business doctor. People come to you when their business or themselves are in a bit of a situation and they're maybe not sure what way to take it. Correct. It means that a lot of your time is spent listening and discussing problems and helping resolve issues within other people's business. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you have a business of your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a while there, it was a number of businesses Mm -hmm. of your own. Mm -hmm. How do you manage the stress that comes with 
like a role that means that you're constantly hearing drama. You know, yes, you're yeah. you're constantly mm, taking mm, on or mm. at least experiencing the drama of, of everyone around you. Yeah, and I know yeah. that you're more than just an accountant in that personal side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. What do you do to keep that? Uh, actually, can I just reach out? I brought a bottle of wine with me, so can I? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pouring the wine. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> it's not really. It's water. Um, yeah. um, oh, Kathy. Wow. I think again. The key thing is to listen. And somebody once said to me, listen until you disappear. There is a saying that I can't remember who said it, but there is a saying that says your people are sometimes already always listening, which means that when a discussion or, or a particular point is being put across, the individual receiving that message is trying to think of the answer to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you really listen, you listen and, mm. and you don't already always listen. So I think listening to the concerns of individuals at the moment, you know, my biggest challenge is my second son, Reese, and I say challenge in that he runs the business that Kathy and I mm-hmm. um, initially started all those years ago, and he's doing a really, really good job of it, and I'm really proud of what he does. But there are occasions when, where I need to say, Reese, um, really, I think you need to think about that differently. So I think again, there's and, and being which is hard coming from a coach, and little and your dad. And I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> You've taken my words. Um, to be able to do that as as a dad, because dads are never right, you know that. <laughs> um, but I do genuinely believe that after that initial little bit of drama or a spike of of emotions that he displays, he'll go away and think about it, and then come back and say, "Yeah, you." And, and he has said on more than one occasion, which makes me <laughs> feel good. You were right, Dad. <laughs> and, um, to record it. Keep yeah, it. yeah, yeah, I keep, I keep that one back. back. from those yeah, hard times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, I think it's always, Cathy, to, you've got to keep the end game in mind. You've got to look at what the solution is, what the potential solution is, what it is that particular individual who's come for help needs, and whether it's my own business or whether it's somebody else's business, you've got to look at the end game and then um, try and do it that way. What about about your own health? That's one thing. We kind of touched on it before, and I want to talk about cow heart. (laughs) We're going to get into cow heart. Yeah. Um, But your own health, because I think think a common thing with business owners is you can just throw yourself in it, right? You can Mm, just get mm, completely immersed mm, in growing business. How do you keep on top of health, fitness, food? Talk to us about that. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a chemical solution for all of those. Um, (laughs) Or maybe what have you I've, learned about that, I guess? Through- what I've learned about it, and probably the second time around, because this is the second heart operation I've had, hopefully it's the last one, but mm. who, who knows. First time around, Kathy, I just kept going. There, there, yes. was, there was this small blip and within, like I was working at home within a week on the laptop. Then I think I was probably away for about two months, I think. Yeah, because well, you had to wait till you were legally allowed to drive. Well, that, well, that was very six, difficult. That was and I made it. I made it. I made it. Six and weeks. Was, I really did before, make it, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> this was before COVID too, so there wasn't a lot of like the same Working work from, from home, home yeah, stuff as there, was now, as there no, is now. that's right. And, and yeah, like I, I do recall jumping on my laptop at home and, mm. and, and just communicating, keeping up with emails and what have you. Um, and we'd all sit around going, don't answer that call if it's Ian. He's <laughs> yeah, supposed right. to be resting. Don't answer it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the first time around, yes, there was a bit of a hurdle, but I just got straight back into what mm-hmm. I was doing. I love outrigging. So I, Saturday morning I paddle a big outrigger with five other blokes. I go back into that in two weeks' time. And that is um, something that you religiously kept up all through. Yeah, I do. Like, I, I, whatever mm-hmm. happened to me, I did that 
for myself on a Saturday, and it's probably the worst thing to do because it's a Saturday morning exertion of energy, which probably was not supported by exercise through the week, which I should have been doing. <laughs> but I'm a very... I don't spend my day sitting in a chair. Mm-mm. I'm He's around like and walking. Yeah. <laughs> like he got knocked down and then just a new little Pac-Man just popped right back up and he was back at it right away. That's it. Um, so, so from a health perspective, this time around, even though the, the same thing, I was in hospital for six or eight days, came home, yeah, you, you belted around a bit and, and this time they put a, a bovine or a, a bull's heart in, mm-hmm. in, in instead of the previous pig's heart. But I pushed that to the background, I'm probably more conscious of diet and regular exercise Mm. at this stage. I start my CrossFit exercises tomorrow. So I've got two days a week at CrossFit. The gym owner is a client. Mm. She's under strict orders to be easy with me. So So this time I'm probably a little bit more conscious of health and exercise and make sure that it's regular, not just the Mm -hmm. the Saturday morning out on the water. And I, I enjoy being on the water it is invigorating and that's what I like about it. And, and that's probably, you know, not everybody likes being on the water, but I do, the best part about it. And we get to tell really, really bad dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me how you go with CrossFit? Because I've done CrossFit once. Yeah, we yeah. had like, I used to work at John Holland and there was a guy that yeah. was an avid CrossFitter. And, yeah, and yeah. I feel like people in CrossFit will yeah. tell you that how great yeah, CrossFit yeah, is, right? Yeah. And yeah. I've heard it's really good. Yeah. So I went in my lunch hour. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think I was red-faced the rest of the afternoon <laughs> and I thought I'd been broken. Yeah, and, yeah. and he did say, do you want to come back? And I was like, <gasps> um, I think <laughs> I'm still puff from that <laughs> session at lunchtime. Yeah. So let us know how you go with I, CrossFit. I will. The session has to be designed. Like I did exercises when I got out of just the rehab exercises mm. and you know, I was on the, the treadmill and then I was on the bike and then I was lifting some light weights and so on. So, But it's got to be designed around the individual. Yes. Um, yeah. there, is, there is a preconception that CrossFit CrossFit is for all these gung-ho athletes and so on, but, it, but it's not. You just have to design it around the individual. Maybe so, you could inspire I, me again. But I will, I will let you know. Have you done it? Have you done CrossFit? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know it was CrossFit. They're like, I went to this boot camp and at yeah. the front I saw CrossFit and I looked over to my friend and I was like, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but, and, that, and that's the concept yes. that, that a lot of people have. Yeah. But if you've got the right gym owner who can design a program to suit you, then you'll get to that level of where you're probably as mad as the rest of them. Mm. But but you've got to get there from the right level. And yeah. that's where I'm going. So. Where are you heading towards a Spartan obstacle or something? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. getting I back to doing a, a marathon in the in the um in the outrigger again. So yeah. it's been a few years since I've done that. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Anyway. I got too caught up in that story. But I was gonna <laughs> let you have a gr- I was I'm just conscious that I'm going into a little rabbit waddle. Rabbit Warren. Rabbit. Well, while you're being really honest, Ian, mm-hmm. um, back in about 2011, we moved offices and we had a big office cleanup day. Oh. Were you really at an appointment on that day? <laughs> 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 no. That's what I thought. <laughs> uh, You've done so much. What advice mm. would you give to younger people today coming oh. through that mm. want to build doors or create opportunities for themselves that think, and not everyone wants to build a business. Some people want to build a career with a corporate organisation. Oh, They've yeah. all got a different Absolutely. goal. Yeah. But yeah. knowing everything and the advice you've given to your own kids, what advice would you give to young people today? In my case with our kids, I think the best advice you can give and the best education you can provide to a child is to give them the skill and the ability to make a decision for themselves without peer pressure. These days, so many kids 
fall foul to peer pressure, yeah. that they make the wrong decisions. We've always had the view that, that, that the education you provide and the guidance and support that you give in our kids mm. is to enable them to make a decision in their own right, not because their mate or whatever said that this is what you've got to do. Mm. That's not the case. You give them the, the strength, the intelligence and the support to make sure that when they make that decision, they make it in their own right, mm. not subject to somebody else. Mm. So whatever decision you take, you do it for your own reasons. And, and yeah, look, in my case, the building of a corporate career was something that, don't get me wrong, I loved every minute of it. I mm. absolutely did. You couldn't take the grin off my face <laughs> every time I hopped into a plane to go somewhere. It was a big grin. Didn't last for long, but it did. <laughs> That's not true. No, I enjoyed it. But then there came a time in my life that said, no, I, I want to do something different. And that was when I walked away from corporate mm. for my own reasons. You would probably maybe look at it and say, was that the best deal financially? Probably not. That doesn't mean to say that, that I'm not happy where we are. And, and yes, I have great expectations of what the future holds. Mm. But in my case, when you make those decisions, make sure that you stick with them and you make them for the right reason. And yes. That's such good mm-hmm. advice. I don't think it's something that you always think about with children. You think of hard work, you think of try your best, you know, yeah. but decisiveness. No, no. Yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what we've given all, I'd like to think, given all three kids. Ian, is there any advice that you would give to parents of kids now that are growing up in 2023, maybe looking to start their own career? Good question. I th- in terms of starting their own career, again, support. Don't say, yeah, that's a bad idea or whatever. You must be there to give them the support. In my case or our case, we have three kids. The eldest son is a chef and he loves that. He's a very creative guy. Mm. He struggled like everyone back when he was 16 or 18 to find a niche mm. because he, he had a very strong artistic talent to him. Yeah. But the chef career, even though it, it's not a career I would recommend to anybody, to be honest, because of the long hours and so on, but it allows him to use his creative skills. Reese, our second boy who now runs the RTO, he was an athlete. So at an early age, he was a professional triathlete. And again, he said, oh, dad, I, I feel like I'm taking your money and la, 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 because we were sending him around the world and buying him all these fancy bikes and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I viewed that investment in him as nothing different to the investment in a university degree mm-hmm. that our daughter had, and she's now a um, an exercise physiologist at Prince Charles mm-hmm. Hospital. Mm-hmm. But in terms of if someone wants to go into business, then you're there to support. From a business coaching mm-hmm. perspective, I try to provide as much practical advice as I possibly can, but it's all about making sure that you provide that support, guidance, direction, and mm-hmm. so on, in my view. So. I love that his children have all chosen different things, which mm. shows that you oh, just let them. F- yeah, pretty much. You, Some you, really you, handy. Like you, to have a chef in the house must be really good Christmas at Christmas dinner. time. Mm, <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was thinking <laughs> maybe I want one of my kids to be a chef. Yeah, I'm, I must admit they're pretty good sometimes. <laughs> I can't yeah, cook, so yeah. I feel like it's only fair. Yeah. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And how's and your then, daughter then on all of your posts? Oh, she's my, oh, she's, <laughs> she's my worst bloody supervisor ever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get away with much at all with, from, with Anthea. Yeah, she's been a, a physio um, for, oh, gee, what, 10 or 15 years now, mm-hmm. quite a while, and she keeps me to account. 
So, you know you've got so the role the role has reversed. <laughs> you've so. got everything covered in your family. Have you ever thought Absolutely. about this? Absolutely. You've got the chef to make your food, yeah. right? Yeah. You've got the RTO to help you with your growth and development. Correct. Then you've got <laughs> um, the physio for when you injure yourself. <laughs> you just um, need to find a mechanic. <laughs> just one more. Yeah, yeah, I do. I yeah. do. I can see if I, we can get one of our kids to be a mechanic. <laughs> you know, take one for the team. We'll be covered. So, yeah. so Ian, recently you have achieved lifetime status with CPA, which I feel like is a sign that you've paid so many fees <laughs> that now they're like, you can just come back forever. <laughs> Correct. When it comes to those industry associations like CPA, how has that helped shape your career? Other than meeting Lane Beachley, which was pretty that was cool pretty that cool. time. That's right. That's yeah. right. That, was, that was lunch with Lane. Yeah. I think, again, it goes back to the values that have been instilled in me. And I chose CPA for a particular, obviously there are two major accounting groups in Australia and forgive me if there are more than that, there's either CPA or CA, more recently ITA. With CPA, the message that was driven through me anyway was that, that it was accounting for businesses. And so you're deeply involved in running and understanding a business. For one minute, will I say that a CA doesn't have the same capabilities and qualifications and experience. But it's a matter for the business owner to recognise that that assistance and help is there and it's available Mm. and to reach out. And it probably doesn't matter about the brand that you reach out to, but make sure the individual has got the breadth of experience to assist you in terms of what's needed. I might have mentioned a bit earlier that there are some public accountants, again, it's not right, it's not wrong, but they're there to do tax and tax alone Mm. and on the compliance side of things. But if you then reach out and say, right, I need a CPA or a CA or, or, or whoever, Make sure that they've got the right background experience and that will only come from a a series of questions, Cathy, that says, okay, can you tell me about how you would solve this or solve that? You will very soon find out if the skill is there. Mm. Yeah, because you obviously believed in that CPA program because you became president, El Presidente, Uh, when we were all (laughs) together. Uh, Yeah, and how did that help you when you Uh, became president? Because I learned a sneaky handshake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think the introduction to lots of business owners and Mm. lots of other business people, as well as people outside of business, like Lane Beasley, for example, you just get to meet so many people. And it's um, from my point of view at that particular year, was very taxing on me and it was taxing on businesses that we had at that point. But at the same time, it was probably the commencement of, I also have a belief in being able to give back to society. I've been very, very lucky in my careers and my corporate careers in particular. And the time on the board of CPA, the time on the board of North Brisbane Trade College and so on is about giving back. And I do believe in that. We do too. Yeah, That's how we met. It is. Absolutely. Yep. No <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so right. we're going to move into the rocket round. Rightio. This is my favourite part, the rocket round, because also random questions. So, favourite book? Favourite book. It's an old one. The Shogun. The Shogun. The Shogun, James Clavell. I have to Google that one. You've got to Google that one. It's an old one. It is written and typed, so it's it's not on slate. <laughs> no, it's not, not on audible. No, no. What am I going to no, do? Shogun. It's actually quite, quite, uh, quite interesting. <laughs> yep. What's your favourite holiday destination? Kimberley's, Western Australia. Oh. Haven't been there yet, so that's my next one. That's your next trip. Yep. With a camper van that I can tow. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Okay. All right. Cats or dogs? Dog. 40 kilogram. 48 kilos, cross, brown, labby, and and mastiff. Yeah. Absolute peanut. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee or wine? Cathy, you wrote the question. (laughs) 
Always wine. <laughs> Always wine. <laughs> How should I pay you? Was it recently. Do you want any money for this? Kathy, a bottle of wine. <laughs> always wine. Yeah, always wine. Always wine. Uh, white Christmas or summer Christmas? Summer. Mud crabs and prawns. Mm. Are you listening to any podcasts right now? Not podcasts, but I have uh, an overzealous interest in US politics at the minute because I think very interesting. Oh, <laughs> so you I spend and my a lot. husband both. There you go. Yeah, yeah, so, you so, up. yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you could have any superpower, oh, what would it be? Oh, here we go. New um, question for the rocket No questions for new questions. Because my kid asked me it and I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> my superpower would be X-ray vision. <laughs> oh, do we ask really why you want that? Because <laughs> I could see what's coming. Oh, that's also quite deep. Okay, <laughs> very deep. Never think about that one. <laughs> I don't want to fly. I don't want to fly, and I don't want to. You know, anyway, okay, no. I was okay. Yep. yep. Where were you? Um, we're all on the same page now. I totally <laughs> get it. Way, way. <laughs> and now, uh, now, what makes you feel now, like your home? Ladies, <laughs> yeah, what <laughs> makes you feel like your home? Home. Okay, keep it PG. <laughs> 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 sitting on the on the on the back deck having a glass of wine and with my grandkids Oh, that's, oh, that's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. You do need one with great kids. <laughs> you do. That's right. Lots. Yeah, well, that's, that's why you need to keep giving him yeah. bottles. Yeah, 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 that's right. Correct. Correct. Thank you so much for coming on the Building Doors podcast. It was a lot of fun. Ian, I always we always like to give our guests a bit of love and try and get people to support you. So what are ways people can support you, learn more about your business and at this stage, they can go to my website, um, yep. pick up the telephone. Yeah. If they need help, just yell out. Yeah, Simple as that. that. So, that. Right. And I do need to give a plug because you need to, if you love this episode, please leave us a five-star review, like, subscribe, all that stuff that they say. We'd really appreciate it. Every month we're going to pick out a really great review and share it to give someone a bit of love for giving us a bit of love. So if you feel like you can share this podcast with somebody and they're going to get value out of it and build doors in their own life, their own business, please share. And thank you both so much for coming on today. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.